everyone, and welcome to the second episode of our special Clue at Intellicon Masters series. This is a series of 15 interviews that we conducted live at Intellicon, hosted by our friends over at Skip. And in today's edition, I'm joined by none other than Jason Oakley, Clue's own Senior Director of Product Marketing, and Ryan Sorley, the CEO at Double Check Research, a win-loss agency. This episode in particular is exciting for me because it was actually the first time I got to meet Oaks in person and he lived up to the billing. Calm, Canadian, competitive confidence personified. I couldn't find another C word there at the end, my bad. But Oaks was the first interview I conducted in the wee hours of day one at the event. And he really set the stage for what become an awesome two, two, two and a half days. Uh, Ryan, Ryan's also a friend of the show and the go-to expert for win-loss strategies. Something that was interesting from Intellicon is that I really started to notice how much win-loss and competitive enablement go hand in hand. In fact, at Intellicon, they ran a full day-long bootcamp purely dedicated to win-loss as it's that important to effectively running a compete program. So Ryan brings a little different flavor to the show and he brings in expertise and a lot of data actually to the table to share how compete professionals can better implement win-loss. With that all said, let's get into today's episode. All right, today I'm joined by Ryan Sorley, friend of the podcast, friend of the show, now now you're a recurring guest officially. Recurring, wow. I do feel special and I will get a mug as a result of being a recurring. I see a few over here, yeah. Need to get your yellow clue mug. We, it's more of a gold, but. Okay, that makes more sense, you're right. Gold is definitely, uh, I can see that now, shimmering. We're in person, we're at Intellicon. Your first time at Intellicon? First time here, I'm uh, enjoying it, a lot of people. It's a well-organized, good content, and good to see people for the first time in a number of years. We've actually never met in person, but we've spent hours on Zoom calls over the years. So, Was I taller or shorter? You're a lot I'm- shorter. Yeah. Meek, I guess I would describe you as. And that was surprising because I thought you would be, you know taller and a little bit more you know, muscular, but not so much, no. Literally, everyone else has met me like, you give really short vibes over Skype, and like I'm pleasantly surprised that you're, and I hope my girlfriend's listening, exactly six feet tall. I, I'm exactly six feet tall as well. Which is funny because I feel like I'm kind of looking down I'm at you older. a little I've, bit. I've started to shrink. <laughs> I, I should say I was six feet at one point. <laughs> oh, for people that don't know, you probably do. Ryan is the CEO and founder of Double Check Research, win-loss firm, one of the best in the biz. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff with us from a marketing perspective, a lot of content, and yeah, we're going to jump into a couple of the questions that we're asking folks today. So, Ryan, what's one of the things you've seen change with how competitive experts are operating since a couple of years ago? So, there has been a big emergence of competitive intelligence and enablement people, right? So what I have seen is as money has come into the technology space, which is where we focus, there are a lot of organizations out there who are not only looking to invest in competitive intelligence people for the first time, 
but they're looking for technology to help support that investment. And I think when they bring the CI people in, the first thing they do is say, well, what tools do I need to make myself more successful? So they look out in the marketplace, they find companies like Clue, if they want to build a win-loss program, uh, there's some different options out there as well. So I, I see more of an investment in competitive intelligence, and I see the shift emerging because that money flowing into the marketplace from VC firms has created a more competitive environment as new companies get their seed financing or Series A or become disruptors. Um, the competitive intelligence need has just grown. Well, you work alongside a lot of compete professionals when they want to kind of introduce win-loss as well into their program. Is there something you wish that compete experts stopped doing? I think that the traditional competitive intelligence people need to adopt more contemporary means to be able to collect competitive intelligence using digital and different um, tools out there and stop doing some of the traditional old school 1980s competitive intelligence activities. There's just so much technology out there at their fingertips to be able to do things faster, better, stronger. So I wish people would change their mindset a little bit and really identify um, new ways to streamline their process speed up their process and make their deliverables to their organizations more valuable through the use of technology and services. Okay, so in terms of using win-loss insights and data to fuel your competitive program, one of the pieces that we have talked about is like the enablement side is important, like meeting the end user with this competitive information. So what's some of the data you've seen in terms of how people are using win-loss insights to enable um, their end users? So that was a setup because we are working with Clue right now on a state of win-loss study and we just collected 500 survey responses. And we're also working with a product marketing community, Rowan and Alan over there on this study. And we have looked at the data and seen that a lot of organizations are taking the information 54% and using it directly for competitive enablement training sessions. And we've heard that from clients time and time again, whether they're product marketers, competitive intelligence or enablement people, enabling sales is, is their primary focus. So 54%, uh, which was the most popular choice, 51% are using it for leadership updates. So more and more we're seeing competitive intelligence people being brought to the boardroom to provide that update. And it could be uh, on a quarterly basis, it could be on an ad hoc basis if there's a specific competitor that's emerged that's becoming problematic. But a lot of people are using the data, real-time data for that. And this is data that's collected through win-loss programs, interviews and surveys. The other one that's quite popular, as you would imagine, is a competitive intelligence newsletter, which I know you all push out a lot. Um, I'm sure that you have one internally or you're working on it. Uh, but we have a lot of clients who that competitive intelligence person, that's part of their job description is they need to make people aware of what's happening, whether they're using te technology like Clue, but they also use email or Slack to provide updates. So we see 45% uh, are using it for that. And then finally, on the battle card side, 40% of the respondents said they're using their win-loss data directly for competitive battle cards. And we've seen that show before, right? You have the Clues of the world who do a great job of creating automation and making it real-time updates versus the static competitive intelligence battle cards that we, that's, that's an answer to the question earlier, what do I wish people would stop doing? Using competitive en enablement or intelligence battle cards where they update them once a year, if that, right, and that they're outdated within weeks. So we're seeing a lot of great 
competitive intelligence enablement, <laughs> competitive enablement use cases uh, based on the data that people are collecting. In, in terms of what they're using on that battle card, that win-loss, is it win-loss data or win-loss stories? Like, is it both in terms of what they're putting on that battle card? It's a little bit of both because there is a quantitative element where you're just collecting survey data, and that might be you're surveying every transaction, won or lost, and then you've got this small subset that you might be interviewing. So they're looking at combining the quant and the qual to tell a story, and sometimes the quant gives you a starting point for the story, but then you, feed, you, you feather in quotes from the interviews that really solidify a point. So they're using both of those data sets. And on that note, so we kind of you walk through the ways people are enabling their customer-facing teams, leadership teams. But in terms of like what you've seen as someone that's working in lockstep with a lot of compete pros, this this question's a little loaded. But like, what what are some of the good ways and bad ways that people are incorporating that win-loss data into sort of these enablement methods you just mentioned? Battle cards, newsletter, leadership reports. Yes, yeah, so I think the bad way is probably easiest to start with, and there are. Believe it or not, competitive intelligence and product marketing people out there who are scared to share certain competitive data or their own feedback on, on their own solution with others within the organization because they feel it's going to cause problems. Like sales might see competitive intelligence that you collected about how this other competitor's pricing model is better. And they know that because they're losing deals to that competitor. And then it causes a big you know, stir within the organization and productivity falls. So I think that there's a challenge with, with data in general and how to position it in the right way so it doesn't cause that. Like if that's an issue, follow it up with, oh, and by the way, we have a committee that's looking at this right now. And the committee includes these people. And if you have any input, here's a place you can provide it. So I think that there's a opportunity and a challenge to be able to really be thoughtful about the way you deliver the information and who you deliver it to first, second, third, right? And, and make sure that it um, doesn't cause, cause commotion. The right way to do it is consistently, regularly share information. Uh, people are depending on you as a competitive intelligence professional to help them win deals, right? And you're being pulled into these deals every day. You're being brought to calls. You're being asked to put documents together that position you against them. Um, that's good, right? But you also have to manage those relationships a bit and let them know you're not there, you know, at their beck and call every moment, but steer them towards the great content that you've created, the battle cards, the um, case studies that you might have collected, quotes, specific things that they can use to help win deals. So keep consistent with delivery of content, be systematic about it, but don't get yourself cornered by being the... Um, lackey or the person who's you know constantly being peppered with these requests you have to manage that process and it all sounds like as well when you talk about like the collateral you deliver make sure the collateral is actionable like it's usable because you could give like a especially it depends on the end user group but like if you give a bunch of those insights to a seller and it's like sure you've got all this information but what do i actually take from it how do i use it you mentioned quotes customer stories that, that kind of piece too right yeah you know it's it's creating great content and deliverables, but then there's the enablement side, right? So it's, enablement doesn't stop with creating documents. It, it stops with showing your sales team how to use the content that you've created to enable themselves to win more business. So I think the trick there is to, how do you 
get away from being the person who they're reaching out to every day, requesting all these little things, to a place where you're creating the right type of environment and enablement structure so that they're educated. They don't need you. They're off doing it on their own because you've been able to lead them in the right way and provide them with the right resources. So in terms of um, compete professionals as well, running a competitive program, there's, it's no secret that it can be difficult to prove the, the impact of your competitive work. Sometimes it can be viewed as a cost center rather than a revenue driver. Um, and obviously win-loss bakes into this as well in terms of your compete program. So what have you seen people do to prove the impact of their win-loss and competitive work? So it's, it's actually easier than one might think, but if you start with a good baseline understanding of how you're doing against key competitors and then track that over time as you introduce new competitive content, um, you can see a shift occur. And the trick to do that is to get great data from your sales team up front. They need to understand which competitors are within each deal. Uh, they need to be able to put that information in the right fields within the CRM system. So there's this whole um, data hygiene step that has to occur. And if they're doing that, you have a really clear understanding of where you're competing, how well you're competing at different stages with whom. And that's your starting point. And from there, you know, you whip in the competitive enablement program. Then you keep tracking every quarter. How are we doing today? Oh, look, we improved our win rate against this key competitor by 10%. Super easy. But it starts with good data. Is there, is there any advice then you'd have in terms of to improve the data quality? You have to have a culture of, of excellence as far as data integrity is concerned. And it has to be a pillar with, within your, your sales team specifically because that's who people are going to for advice during, during the or, or going to get the data from nine times out of ten. The other thing is you can use a win-loss survey and you can send it out to all of your buyers, whether you won, lost, or no decision. And you can use their data to help you understand generally where you're stacking up against key competitors. It's more reliable than the salespeople because the salespeople, they might not ask or they might not know or this, this buyer might not tell them directly. So one of those two sources of data has to, has to help. You can combine them as well. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. I think you earned yourself a mug with some of those answers and taking the time. I will uh, drink coffee out of it with uh, honor and privilege and think about this moment. <laughs> Every time I do. And you know what? Looking at you right now, you're definitely still six feet. I, I, uh, I, I feel, you know, I feel six feet. Yeah, I've always been. Even as a young lad, I was six feet tall. Six feet at heart. Haven't grown much since then, but... Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. I think there's a dip in the board here. <laughs> I, I feel it. It, it like, it's concave here for some reason. Why do you think I'm sitting on this side? I didn't know. Are you on a, on a stool or something over there? No, just good posture, my friend. Thank you so much. All right, today I am joined by Jason Oakley, the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Clue. You may have heard of him. He's all over LinkedIn. He's the best. Jason, thank you for joining me live at Intellicon. Thanks for having me, Adam. Excited to be here. Jason's going to be running a bunch of sessions tomorrow, so he's he's looking dapper he's looking sharp what we really came here for he was he wanted to be on the podcast that's why we're here together <laughs> i was like adam please invite me it's been so long i've never been on it's been so long okay so let's dive right into some questions here i want to hear about the old way versus the new way with how people are running compete and how they're competing in business 
what have you seen change about how competitive experts are operating over the past few years? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, even talking to uh, people here at Skip, I think that um, one of the things that we've definitely seen with, with Clue is that when you think of the old way, a lot of competitive intelligence experts were focusing a lot of their time on collection. It's how do I, how can I collect as much about my competitors as possible? How can I augment that or like automate it in some way so that I can never miss anything that's happening with competitors? And I think like even for myself coming from a product marketing background where CI is one of the functions within product marketing, it's, um, it's that question of, I don't want to be last to be able to tell the sales team about like new Intel. And I think that, um, what you're seeing change now is people realizing that it's not only about collection and collection you can automate. Right. And now with, with platforms like Clue or anything that allows you to, to be able to automatically collect Intel across the web or from your team and, and to be able to use AI machine learning to weed out the noise, I think the collection thing is less of the problem. And sometimes more Intel is not going to solve your problem. I think what people are realizing now in the new way um, for competitive enablement is, is really about what do we do with that Intel? And it's, it's like how do we curate that and create a kind of a a central database of a competitive knowledge for our organization, but then also how do you translate that into content and insights that your team can actually use? And when I say team, it could be a sales team, it could be a product team, it could be a strategy team. And I think what we're seeing change now is people are thinking about who are we serving with the Intel and with our insights. So it's less about Intel, it's more about who are we serving with these insights and and thinking more intentionally about like what the content that they need is and so what did that look like how do they receive it where do they receive it all of that because when you can start to actually translate intel into insights and get it into the hands of people in a way that they can digest it and use it that's when it becomes really powerful what's one thing you wished that competitive experts stopped doing or competitive programs competitive experts at the individual or program based level one of the things that we've been thinking a lot about lately is like what does the workflow look like for someone who's in CE? Right, someone who's running a compete program. And it's when you think about the time spent in their day or their week and what activities or, or things that they're actually working on. And again, you know, you go back to this idea of like collection and and even just trying to filter out what's relevant, what's not. I think a lot of people spend so much time on that that they have less time to actually work on the stuff that matters. And so when we think about it, even in our platform, it's like What's the breakdown if you were to have a pie and what portion of that pie is spent on collection? What portion of it's spent on curation? What portion of it's spent on content creation? Like it's, um, you want more of that pie to be spent on actual impactful work. And I think one thing I would like, I would encourage, or I hope that we're able to help people in the compete profession, um, do is, is to spend less of their time to spend maybe a couple of minutes every day actually working on reviewing competitive intel or, or can you automate that altogether so that they can get in and do the work that matters um, and spend most of their time on that and so it's yeah because when you think about it someone in the compete role it's like how do you elevate your role within the company right how do you get a seat at the board table it's like it's being involved in those more of those strategic conversations and actually delivering value and that's the work you want to spend most of your time on and so it would be yeah, taking taking a step and looking taking a step back and looking at like what portion of my day am I actually getting to spend on that impactful work and what can I remove, automate, 
whatever to to remove this stuff that's that's not helping me get to that in your opinion where does compete and competitive enablement fit within an organization well i i think it, it can vary and i think what we're seeing here even at skip and talking to um a lot of the people here is that it can vary based on the type of company it can vary very based on your industry it can vary based on the size of your company i think you know selfishly i'm a product marketer and i like i you know i've worked at um, I would say smaller companies, right? So companies that are startups to, you know, series, series B, series C sort of thing. And I think in those companies, it makes sense. I personally believe to, for it to live in product marketing and for it to be a function within product marketing, its own defined function, not just one of the million things that a single general product marketer does. But then I think when you see, and we see it here, when you get to like an enterprise company or something that's a global organization, then it makes sense to have these dedicated competitive teams. And I think that uh, and that's what we see. And where they live, a lot of times it can vary. Um, you, a lot of times it's not within marketing. It's within more of a, a, you know, within the finance side of the organization or within M&A or, or within like investor relations. And so it's, it's um, yeah, it's been interesting talking to the, everyone here. And I think it can live in many different places. But I think like where you'll see it be very successful is when there's a dedicated function. Even in small companies, it doesn't need to be a corner of the desk sort of thing. It needs to be something that is given the elevated to a point where it's like, hey, this is strategic. And it needs to be someone's dedicated role or one of the big parts of their role. What are some of the common misconceptions of a, of a competitive professional? Misconceptions, yeah. I think I think a lot of times when people think of people in the in the competitive profession, they think of someone who's like ex military intelligence and someone who sits in the back office and someone who's very secretive or someone who, you know, is, is kind of crunching data all day or out there kind of collecting information on competitors. And I think that, um, common misconception is that it's someone who's not out front. It's someone who's not a strategic role within all areas of the organization. I think it's someone who's on a team doesn't get a lot of, of, um, exposure doesn't get a lot of credit and it's kind of in the background just like seeking out information on competitors and it's so different like it's not that the the compete professional within an organization is such a huge kind of strategic part because the competitive lens is is on every part of the organization you go to market it's in your marketing campaigns it's in the way sales sells it's in you know the way you think about like strategic moves you're going to make about whether it's mergers and acquisitions it, it's it's kind of weaved throughout everything there's a competitive lens on everything and so for that to be kind of this you know single person in the back office who's not invited to board me it's 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 not a um it's yeah i just don't think it's a a realistic perception and i think it's changing we're seeing that change a lot now all right let me get you some enablement questions here tell me about a successful experience that you've had educating customer-facing teams on a competitor? Well, I, I, I'm going to give a shout-out to our competitive enablement manager, Brandon. Right? So we at Clue, again, we are an organization that I would say, you know, when I talked earlier about like a, a size of company that might not have its own compete department, right? Um, it lives within product marketing at Clue. And, but we know that it's important to have a dedicated person to that function. And so Brandon, Brandon Bedford, competitive enablement manager at Clue, shout out to Brandon. We love you, Brandon. And, um, I feel like there's so much of what Brandon does that is, 
I just love the way that he approaches managing our, our compete program. And so, um, one branding comes from sales. And I think that for anyone who's, who's looking to, to kind of find that key compete person within their product marketing or like within their company, I think looking at someone who is interested in, in transitioning from sales into marketing or into product marketing is a really good place to look because salespeople are, are competing every day. Like they are testing differentiation they're testing positioning they are handling objections they are hearing it every day and i think that one thing we're seeing from brandon is he's coming in and he's not only saying oh, this is what i think might work or this is what i think that they hear on calls he's like i've heard this and he also has the credibility with the sales team and so some of the things i see brandon do extremely well is you know we have weekly enablement meetings within the company and he's like a regular staple in those meetings coming in and and talking about whether it's updating on our main competitors or whether it's doing a, a deep dive session on a specific competitor, you know, training new employees um, on the sales team and helping provide just like training materials for them. But also like he, you know, he uses our platform. So everything from our, our, our weekly Intel digest that we send through Clue, like Brandon takes the effort to add the context at why it matters to, to give shout outs to our sales team. Like he's building a competitive program, not just being a, kind of a funnel of competitive information to the sales team and so i think that like he's so ingrained in the sales org i'm sure he it feels like he's a part of the sales organization versus someone who just kind of lands in drops a bit of intel and then leaves he, he it's so much more than that so he's constantly invited on calls he is so active in you know kind of if someone pings him at with a question like of course we want to try to show them where to find the answers and but he's just so responsive and he's so just an ingrained part of the sales team and i think that's it's such a yeah just seeing how helpful it is the sales team and how how just kind of valued it is i think that it's it's clear in my opinion the way he's doing it is is almost a playbook in my opinion for how other companies should should run competitive enablement okay tell me how not to get your stakeholders to use your competitive intel or messaging big wordy lengthy documents salespeople for example if that's one of the teams you're enabling they do not have time to read those things it needs to be digestible it needs to be quick snackable that's why we love cards at clue um outdated <laughs> you don't keep your stuff up to date nothing worse than like you know even if you're not using something like clue today and you're out there and you're using slide decks or you're using a spreadsheet and you have like a battle card built in that you got to keep it up to date even something of having a last updated thing in the title to show people like, hey, I'm in here, I'm updating this. The second that there starts to be multiple versions existing and no one knows which one's up to date is when you start to lose lose people's attention and they start they stop using it. So it needs to be short, digestible. It needs to be up to date. And yeah, it needs to be accessible. So I think that if you can integrate it into Salesforce, if you can you know, bring it into an enablement tool that they're already in, if if you make it hard for them to find, they're never going to use it. So I think that, um, yeah, it needs to be, needs to be easy. Even if you're just going to create an internal kind of a repository document, like I've done it in a spreadsheet in past companies where it's just like, here's all the things you need. Here's the quick links to find them. If it's hard for them to find again, they're going to fend for themselves and you're going to end up with multiple different battle cards out there that people don't use. So to summary, snackable, up to date, accessible. Okay, last question. Pretend I'm a genie. 
I can grant you some wishes. I'll, we'll cut it to just one. I could give you three, but for you, only one, unfortunately. And if you have a wish related to how to better enable your teams, what would, want, what would your wish be? Hmm. If I had a wish, I, <laughs> I think it would be that everyone is super diligent in putting in proper Salesforce information. I think anything you can do to help reward people or to help encourage people to input proper notes, proper competitor, like the competitor field in Salesforce. To all, shout out to all, all, everyone in sales or everyone who is responsible for like filling out information on an opportunity in Salesforce or wherever, HubSpot, CRM, whatever. Why is it so important? Because it, it, a lot of this sets a foundation for how you're gonna build out your compete program or how you're gonna measure the success of it too. Because when you measure, one of the big ways to measure the success of your competitive program is with your win rate and, and specifically your competitive win rate. So if you have a primary competitor, primary two, three competitors, you constantly want to be not only looking at like your close rate or like your overall competitive win rate, but you want to look at like how often we win, we, we win deals when we're up against competitor X. And it's impossible to do if people don't mark the competitor on the opportunity. So it's simple things, but it's, you know, the, anything that you can do to get your sales team on board and understanding like how important it is and you can get better CRM data, like the better off you'll be. Oaks. Thank you so much for joining us. Yep. Thanks, buddy.